0: So this lesson is called The Timeline of the Bible, okay? So we're going to close out this first section. If you know, the first section has five lessons in it, and it's dealing basically with the Bible and how the Bible put together. We started off with just some good truths about the Bible, and then we did an overview of the Old Testament and New Testament, plus how we got the Bible. Then we did one lesson on the whole Old Testament. Then we did a lesson last week, which was on the New Testament. And this lesson is really about... Putting together the Bible, there's a lot of different ways to look at the Bible. I and mean, we all know there's one book, but then there's also 66 books. So when you think about it, we'd say that the Bible, it's the central theme, of course, is the, 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 the reconciliation and uh, it all flows together. But if you had to put in one sentence, what would you say it is? The story of the Bible is... Perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. That's the story of the Bible. Central person in the Bible is Jesus Christ. If you begin in Genesis chapter 3, the seed of the woman is coming. You go all the way to the book of Revelation. The one sitting on the throne, the one ruling forever and ever. The one that we will serve forever. The one that says, let the Spirit and bride say, come, 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 come. Take of the water of life freely without cost. So it is it's so great. So let's think about how the Bible fits together. And of course we could say there's one book, there's one big book, one book. Okay? Then we could say that there are two big sections. What are they? The Old Testament and the New Testament. So we said, okay, we, we're getting it. We're seeing how it, how it all fits together, Old Testament and the New Testament. So the two big sections. I've got a study that I've been doing that I was doing it and sort of everything got stopped. And I think it goes all the way back to February when everything happened and March and April and everything. Uh, I, I, uh, I call it Bible by the Numbers and I take a number like one, one book, two, Old Testament, Testament, three, Trinity, four, and and we do four Gospels and five, and I do something, and I go six, seven, I take all those numbers, and I got all the way up to twenty-something, and it's sort of how we put the Bible together and main teachings of the Bible. So I'll get back to doing that again sometime because it was really a lot of fun, but I just got stopped on it. So let's talk about the Bible, and when we say the Bible, we talk about that there are five major sections that you may not have thought about. I mean, we already know that there's one book and then there's two big sections, Old Testament and New Testament, but the Bible can be divided (coughs) into five sections. So let me give them to you. The first one is from Genesis chapter 1 through chapter 11. We call it the age of the Gentiles. 1 through 11 is the Gentiles. And so, just think about that. The first 11 chapters of the Bible is basically dealing with Gentiles. Then, as you go down the next, you start in Genesis chapter 12, going basically to Acts chapter 2, is the age of the Jews. So, this is Genesis. Genesis 12 through Acts 2 is basically the Jews. And when you look at the Bible, you think about it, you realize that in just the 12th chapter, of the book of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, God chooses this man named Abram, and He changes his name to Abraham, and then there's Isaac, and Jacob, and Judah, and Joseph, and all the way down, and then they, Moses, and, and King David, I mean, you start going through the Bible, all that's Jewish people, that's all dealing with the Jews, and it, this section sort of ends, you might say, when the church age begins. We'll talk more about it because the third one begins basically in Acts chapter 2 and goes through about Revelation chapter 3, which is the age of the church. So Acts 2 through Revelation chapter 3 is the church. That's us. So when you think about it, it's starting in the Bible about Acts 2 or 3, that and there, going almost to the end of the Bible deals with the church age because we got the letters to the churches, we got the history part, we got all of that. Then, if you want to break the Bible down, you can also begin in Revelation chapter 4 through 19 is the tribulation time period. 4 through 19 is the tribulation. And that's a different section as well, because age of the Gentiles, age of the Jews, age of the church, the tribulation time period. So if We don't necessarily call it like an age, but, and you can see how the Bible fits together. In fact, oh, Good gracious. Uh, You can see how the Bible fits together uh, because when you read the Bible, it says, Give no offense to the Jew, that the Gentile and the church of God. There are actually three people groups on the earth. There was one, the Gentiles. Then there were two, Jews and Gentiles. And now there's three, the Jews and Gentiles together in one body, which is the church. And so you can see how things change. And then the last section, of course, is Revelation chapters 20 through 22, which we call it the kingdom maze, the judgment, and the eternal state. And so it all goes together, Revelation 20 through 22, and the kingdom and the eternal state—all of that—that that all goes together. So that's that's a way that you can divide the Bible in five big sections. And I've got that. You, you you'll notice that there, and and we'll see it more in a little bit. But there's a little chart. There's kind of a little thing I got at the back. That's a little fill-in. It's a little bunch of little stick figures. It's, it's in the end of this lesson, uh, but it's divided in these sections right here. And so when you think about the Bible, if somebody said When you think about Moses, you just say, well, yeah, that's the age of the Jew. When you think about Paul and Peter, that's the time of the church. When you think about, uh, you know, Adam and Eve and Noah, well, you say, well, that's way back in the Gentiles. So the Bible does break into different groups, so we want you to get that. To understand this and to understand how the Bible actually breaks together, we need to talk about A dispensation. And you know, I remember the first time I ever heard this, somebody just said it. I said, I don't even know what y'all are talking about. But a dispensation, basically, when we talk about a dispensation, a dispensation is a period of time in which God deals with man in a specific way. You may not realize this, but throughout the Bible, God doesn't deal with people in the same way. Now, salvation is always the same, that kind of thing, but God deals with people in different ways in different times. Think about this. There was a time that when a person sinned, he had to bring a sacrifice. Now when we sin, what do we do? We confess our sin, it's totally different. So somebody could say, Well, why he dealt with them one way, he deals with us another way. He dealt with Adam and Eve in a different way than he deals with us. Now, I don't have a book up here with me, but if you look just at the back of this lesson, and you'll see where does it look you look for in the Bible, and then there's a section that actually says dispensations. It's got some pictures. I don't want you to look at it right now, but I've got details for you about the seven dispensations. In other words, how the Bible fits. And then if you turn the next page, there's like writings, but like two or three or four pages that take you through each of the dispensations, giving you all of the information. So a dispensation is just a way to divide the Bible. It's a way to see how God deals with people at different times in different ways. So that's what a Dispensation is, and we don't want you to get all, you know, messed up or anything. Now, there are, best we can tell, there are seven dispensations. Now, you could say three, you could say before the law, under the law after the law. You could take that and say, we can divide the Bible into three big sections. But most people, when they study the Bible, especially people who look at dispensations, they say that there are seven dispensations. In other words, seven ways to deal with the Bible. So I'm going to list them for you. We're going to talk about them a little bit. Let me erase this right here. And I want you to see how they fit and and that way that when you're studying the bible you say well I, I see where we are historically wise how the bible fits together so let's talk about dispensations there's seven ages or time periods the first one is called the dispensation of innocence this is before the fall so the first one is innocence and it's before the fall and of course it deals with adam and eve and God, what did God do in this dispensation? Without going into a lot of details, He put, He made, created a man and a woman, and put them in a garden, and basically said, "This whole world is yours. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. Subdue the earth. Do all of those kind of things." And but He told them, "Here's the one thing not to do." Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because in the day you eat from there, you die, and you shall surely die. You're going to die spiritually immediately, and you'll die physically later. And this is called innocence, because they didn't, there wasn't a, they didn't know right from wrong, so to speak. I mean, there was only one thing they could do wrong. Everything else was right. Out of the whole world, there was only one thing they could do wrong, and that was to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's why it's called tree of knowledge of good and evil, because it tells you right from wrong. They ate from the tree. Which they learn right from wrong by doing wrong. They sh- could have learned right from wrong by doing right. But, you know, we kind of get on them. But if we'd have there, we'd have, we'd have done the same thing. And so that's the first one. And when they ate that fruit, something happened. And so we did. There's a second dispensation. We call it conscience. Because after they ate the fruit, the Bible says, "Now God said, now that you know right from wrong... And we got to, the people have a conscience after that. They have the, they have to know what's right from wrong. Listen, every human being coming into this world knows right from wrong. Now they may sear their conscience. They may they may get to a point where they don't listen to it or anything else. But built inside of us, there is the law written on our hearts. The conscience tells us right from wrong. Now we can ignore it and after a period of time just reject it, but. That's the, so there's a second thing to know. You have these people, Adam and Eve, after the fall. And he says, now you know right from wrong. Do right. And what you remember happened is that people begin to do wrong. In fact, they begin to do so evil that God destroyed it, decided to what? Destroy the whole world. flood the, But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord and all this. So the third. So he wiped them out. And after that, there became another dispensation. We call it government. And this is just names that we have given to it. And it's after the flood, and people were to govern themselves. So this is innocence, conscience. This is after the fall. This is government. And this is where people are to rule themselves. And if you remember, they came off the ark. And when they came off the ark, let me read something to you. This is in Genesis chapter 9, just to give you an idea of what he was saying there. When they came off the ark... He basically said, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to establish this covenant with you and, and I, I want you to you know, do what's right. I'm going to put a bow up in there. And he basically says from this point on, and this is uh, that they are to uh, govern themselves. And he actually says, if somebody kills somebody... If somebody murders somebody, then it is responsibility of the government, of the people, to deal with that. We call that capital punishment. Capital punishment was put into effect immediately after the flood. A lot of people don't think, how many of you have heard people say, oh, it's always wrong, you, you, you shouldn't have capital punishment. Well, first of all, capital punishment was all Old Testament. And then you go to the New Testament, you go to Romans 13, and he basically says, obey the laws of your government, and they, the government has the sword to put to death. So it is the right of a government to have capital punishment. And, and that goes all the way back. So that's government. And so you think about it, in every one of the dispensations, it starts out good, and then they fail. They put them in the garden, and they fail. They told them to do right from wrong, they failed. They put them in a government and said, do what you're supposed to do, and they failed. And so God then comes with a promise. We call it the promise. This is when he chooses Abraham. I'll just write promise right here. And it's Abraham... And he comes to Abraham and he gives him a promise. That's in Genesis chapter 12. He says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to give you a land, a seed, a blessing. Through you the nations of the world will be blessed. This is the promise. And this, basically, this time period lasted from Abraham to Moses. And so you see the innocence before the fall, conscience after the fall. Then after the flood came the government. And then at a point in time God picked a man which is Abram, Abraham there. And and he says, I'm making this promise. And that's the chosen people. And by the way, the promise has never gone out of effect. This is just a a way that God deals with people. Now, then from there, there is another dispensation, and it's called the dispensation of law. And if you remember the nation of Israel, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and they ended up going down to Egypt. And when they came out of Egypt, they they went down with 75 people. They came out with 2 million people. They went to Mount Sinai, and God gave them a law. It's a different dispensation. And by the way, the way Abraham lived, you know, people say well Abraham did this and this and this. Abraham wasn't under the law. In fact, let's say it. Abraham couldn't have been under the Mosaic law because Moses wasn't even born yet. I mean, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Noah and Adam and Eve and those, they weren't under any law. They weren't under Mosaic law. And everything's right from wrong. And there's a conscience And all that, but there's no law. And suddenly, God gives to this people group basically a law. And this this dispensation basically began with Moses and goes to Christ. And so we call that the law. And and, uh, basically Moses, the lawgiver. Everybody says, Moses, the lawgiver. Well, that's when the law, and that's a dispensation. This is how God deals with people. And think about this. Under the law, if you sinned, what did you have to do? I had to get a sacrifice. And and you could bring other kind of sacrifices. And there were certain days. And, uh, you know, we just had uh, the Day of Atonement, which was just, what was that? Was it Sunday? Saturday night and Sunday, I think, it was Day of Atonement, the 10th day of the 7th month. Uh, that was the High Holy Day. It's the only holiday that the Jews celebrate that they afflict their souls. All the other holidays are happy. The Day of Atonement's not a happy day. It's, the, it's They actually, it's their they're hoping that God will cover their sins for another year. That's what, and so that's under law. law. Now, after the law, and if you remember from Adam and from uh, Moses all the way to Christ, and then, now, the next dispensation is us. We call it the dispensation of grace. It could be also the church age. It begins with chi- Christ and ends with rapture, and so it's the church age. So we just say it's the age of grace of the church it started with, you know, Jesus basically it's going to end with the rapture part when the church is gone. And this is us. And we call it the age of grace because you can see grace in this dispensation more than any of the other ones so far. I mean, under law, you say, well, there's law. Well, yeah, there's grace under law. But this is the the dispensation of grace. And in your book, and I'm not going into a lot of details on this tonight, but in your book, there's a handout that gives you the dispensations, and then there's four pages that actually take each dispensation, talk to you about what, what they were about, how they fit. So you don't need to look at it now, but it's really, it's very, very interesting. And then the last dispensation is what we call the kingdom. And this is after the tribulation. Some people put the tribulation back under law action because it all goes back to the, the years of the Jewish people. But then you have the kingdom. And when we say kingdom, there the kingdom is actually an eternal kingdom. We know that the kingdom lasts for a thousand years, but in Second Peter and First Peter and Second Peter, he calls it the eternal kingdom. So it's a thousand years on this earth, and then it will go on forever new heavens new earth and that kind of thing so that's the what I call the eternal kingdom so the bible you can fit the Bible together in what we call seven dispensations. You can make it in three, before the law, law, and after law. You can make it the seven. Seven is a little bit more detailed. I know some people who actually have more than seven dispensations. I think the very best way to do it, seven is pretty normal that most Bible people, both Bible scholars who hold to this and look at this, this is how they break it up. And so I've given you a good bit of information in your workbook there that you can read and go into a lot more detail if you want to. So I just wanted you to see how you can divide it. So you can divide the Bible one, one big book, two books, Old Testament, New Testament. You can divide it into five different big sections. You can divide it into seven different sections. There's also, as we think about this, there's also, if you go to the top of the next page, it says that we can always divide the Bible by looking at the difference between Israel and Israel. And the church, and I think you, we have to think about this uh, about Israel and the church. Let me erase this because you've got to you've got to grasp this. This is one of the keys to the whole Bible, and if you don't hold to this, you're going to have a, a whole different way of interpreting the Bible, and you're going to have a different way of seeing how the Bible fits together. We must always. Keep the distinction between the nation of Israel, which is the Jewish people, the nation from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, and the church, which is the body of Christ, Jews and Gentiles together. I want you to understand God chose a man named Abram, okay, Abraham, and he's a Jew. He's, a Jew, he's called a Hebrew. He crossed over the utah Shephtis River. That's him. Abraham had two sons. What were those sons' names? Isaac and who? Ishmael. Okay, but God said the promise comes through Isaac. Isaac had two sons. What were they? Jacob and Esau. God said the promise comes through Jacob. Jacob had how many sons? Twelve. When you say Jewish people, you can't just say all, you can't just say Jewish people are descendants of Abraham because not all descendants of Abraham are Jews. Abraham to Isaac, that's Jews. Ishmael was not Jewish. Isaac to Jacob, That's Jews. Esau was not a Jew. Okay, so when you say Jewish people, you have to say the Jewish people are descendants of Abraham through Isaac and Jacob and the 12 tribes. Okay, so God chose this this people group. He did not choose them for salvation. He chose them for service. Each individual Jew had to believe in order to be saved, but they were chosen for service. And so he has this people group. Then throughout history, now they became, that's the Jew. Then they became the church, which is different. If you remember, the church is the body of Christ made up of Jews and Gentiles together. They are not the same. Do not ever say the Jews and the church, uh, they're all the same. They are not. They're distinct. So we us always Keep the distinction between the nation of Israel and the body of Christ. And I'll tell you why in just a second. But I want you to see this, that you've got to have the distinction because the promises to Israel are not the promises to the church. What did he promise Abraham? A land. What else? A seed. And a blessing. And the land ultimately became what we call uh, Israel. The, the seed it ends up being a people group, but also the Messiah, and the blessing is the Savior and the salvation to the world. That's through the Jews. That's not through the church. Those promises. This is the the Abrahamic covenant, the Palestinian covenant, the Davidic covenant, the New Covenant. All those those all were different. Never given to the church. So just remember that God has promises to Jews. God had promises to us. You know what He promised to us? He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. When I get it ready, I'll come back and get you and where I am, you'll be with me. I'm going to come get you. I'm going to take you out of here. The dead in Christ will rise first. You who are alive and remain, be caught up together with Him to meet the Lord in the air. That's one of the promises aspect. He promises, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He also said, I'm going to have the Holy Spirit come to permanently indwell in you. That's promises for us. That wasn't promises for Israel. So, I just want you to understand that. And so Romans 9, 10, 11 talk all about the nation of Israel. God will keep his promises to Israel and he will keep his promises to the church. Let me show you what I mean. There are some people, let me just going to throw this out. There are some people who say that God has rejected Israel and he has chosen the church and the church has taken the Jewish people's place. That means the promise of a king and a kingdom, and the land, and the seed, and the blessing, these promises, they say, are all spiritual, and they're not real. They won't ever happen. There won't ever be a kingdom. There won't ever be a king sitting on the throne. There won't ever be a land given just to the Jewish people. They say it because they say that God rejected these people and the church fulfills it, but it's, it's spiritual, it's not physical. And the answer to that is, it's wrong. God made promises to Israel, He will keep those promises. God made promises to the church, He will keep those promises. Let me, so God is faithful, even when Israel or the church is not. Because Israel wasn't faithful, but neither are we. So you just got to put down whatever you want to put there. Now I want to show you one other thing. As there's a distinction between Israel and the church. And you can write this down. First of all, Israel is a nation. They're a people group. The church is a body. It's the body of Christ. Okay? Israel is made up of Jewish people. And remember, through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Just remember that. Don't just say descendants of Abraham. Say descendants of Abraham through Isaac and Jacob. Okay? Israel is made up of Jews, but the church is made up of Who? Jews and Gentiles. Let's see, we're placed in the body of Christ. Where the nation is the nation of Israel, the Jews. The, na- it, the Israel has a land. Has it, any of y'all ever seen the dimensions of the land? You know where the land begins? The it begins? It goes from the Euphrates River all the way over to the Nile River. What we call the land of Israel today, which if we look at it on a map and we go, gosh, it's pretty little... That land is going to go all of the Sinai, all the way over in Egypt to the, Met, to the Nile River, and then all the way over to the east to the Tigris-Euphrates River. That's the land that God promised them. You find that in Genesis 15 and Genesis 18. And that's, that's what you see. So they have a land. The church doesn't have a land. The church has the whole world. Our job is to go into where? All the world and proclaim the gospel message. So, Israel and church are two different things. The last one is this. Israel has the covenants. They have five covenants. Five covenants. Four unconditional, one conditional. And the church has the blessings of the covenants. The blessings of the covenants. I want to show you something. I'll just do it real fast. And, of course, always, if you have questions, comments, input, stop me. You know, because we've got time. We've got plenty of time. When God go back, goes, goes back, and there's Adam and Eve, and then He chooses Abraham, and from Abraham to Isaac and Isaac to Jacob and Jacob to, to Judah and Joseph, and they go down, and this is the Jewish people, and they go down into Egypt and they come out and they get the law and all of these things, and they're all looking forward. They're all from here to here, they're all looking forward to a Messiah, to a Savior. And we go through the whole Old Testament, and at a point in time in history, here comes Jesus, and he dies on the cross and pays for sin, and the nation, the nation, rejects him. many many Jewish people believed in him, but the nation as a whole rejected him. So God set aside the Jews. He's not through with them. every promise he ever made, land, seed, blessing, that's all going to come true, everything's going to come true. But he set them aside and he chose something else. He chose the church, which is Jew and Gentiles together in the one body. And that's us. And that's what's going on now. We are not the same. We have our responsibility. We're to make disciples. We're to lead people to Christ and train them and equip them. And one of these days, what's going to happen? The rapture is going to happen. And the church is going to be gone. And let me sh- we'll show you one quick thing, not details, but God promised way back here, 490 years to the Jews. He said at the 483-year mark, the Messiah would die. That's exactly what happened. Then he sets them aside. Here's the church. After the church is gone, what happens? It's the tribulation. And how long is the tribulation? It's seven years. Why? He promised them 490. They used up 483. This tribulation is the final seven years of the Jews. So just remember that you don't mix them up, that Israel has promises, God's people. He chose them. They have a ministry. They have a job to do. And it's separate from the church, which is us, the body of Christ. He chose us. When you believe in Jesus, He places you in Christ. We have a job to do, but one of these days we'll be gone. Then He goes back to them. And then in the kingdom, we're all together. But there's still Jews and Gentiles and church. It's going to always be that way. So don't mix them up. Let me show you something. Throughout history, you may wonder some things. When the church began, in about the 2nd and 3rd century, some of the teachers in the church said the Jews were evil, they crucified Christ, God is through with the Jews, and the church has become the new Israel. And sometimes they're called spiritual Israel. And so a lot of church, a lot of denominations, a lot of, you're talking about the Catholic Church, on up, they believe that, that they have replaced Israel. Now let me show you what happened. In the Old Testament, let me ask you a question. Did, uh, did the nation of Israel, did they have priests? Did, did the nation of Israel have priests? Yes. Did they wear robes? Yeah. Did they have incense? Yeah. Did they have an altar? Did they make sacrifices? Okay. That's the nation of Israel. Well, when the church came into being, and in the second and third century, when they begin to teach that they're the spiritual Israel, do you know any ministries, churches, denominations in which they have a person they called a priest? And does he wear robes? And do they have incense? Do they have an altar? Do they still have sacrifices? Listen, that's why you see what we call high church, like Episcopal and Catholic and Presbyterian and Methodist. Why do they wear robes? Why do they have incense? Why do they have an altar? Listen, I have a twin sister that has a church, and when you go into their church, you go up here, and then this part up here is sacred because it's the altar. Where do they get all that from? It goes back to thinking that they are Israel. They're spiritual Israel. So don't mix it up. We are not spiritual Israel. Israel is the body of Christ, is the, is the, the, from Abraham, there are Jewish people from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob with promises. The church is the body of Christ, Jews and Gentiles together. And by the way, a mystery in the Old Testament never mentioned. And we have our responsibility. So don't mix them up. And when people do, they make all kind of problems because do we believe that there will be a thousand year reign of Christ on this earth. Why do you believe that? You know why you believe that? Because it was a promise to David to the Jewish people that the son, that the Messiah, the king, would sit on the throne of Israel for a thousand years. okay that's, a pro- that, that's not a promise to us. That's a promise to the Jews. So we're there. we get the benefit. But just remember that, that these promises back here, if, and so the people, so the people who reject and say we've taken the place, they don't believe there'll be a rapture. They don't believe there'll be a tribulation. They don't believe there'll be a kingdom. You understand that? We believe those things. They don't because they said that the church has taken the place of Israel and those things don't count anymore. So I just want you to be ready for that when you talk to people, because if you ever if you ever put the church and Israel together, or say that the church has replaced Israel, you'll interpret the Bible in a totally different way. Just want you to see that. Okay, uh, you got it. All right, let's talk about uh, the timeline and time periods. Okay, because that's what's next. And when you think about time periods, first of all, from I'll just give you some basic ideas. From Adam and Eve, uh, Adam and Eve lived at least, uh, we'd say, 4,000 to 6,000 years before Christ. I know the world says millions of years and everything like that. And a guy by the name of Usher went through the Bible back... Oh, golly, a thousand, uh, two or three hundred years ago. And he came up with 4,004. He actually said creation was 4,004 years before Christ. And then people looked at it and they began to see that maybe he made some mistakes on how long people lived and where they all fit together. And uh, and so some people say it's probably more than 4,000 years. So I always say that from Adam and Eve until you come to Christ was between four and 6,000 years. As far as bi- biblical, when you look at the biblical Uh, charts and how they fit okay then Abraham Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Christ now the reason I'm giving you all this is so that when you study the Bible and you see these people you have an idea of where they fit in the timeline and so Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Jesus so I mean so Abraham lived over 4,000 years ago we're still talking about him I mean, we still know him. We still say Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. So Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Christ. Then you have Moses. Moses lived about 1,500 years before Jesus was born. And that's what's so amazing is that the Mosaic Law basically only lasted about 1,500 years. Because Moses wrote it. Moses probably wrote it. They left Egypt about 1444 B.C. Moses probably put it down then. They were under the Mosaic Law. All through then, all the way till the death of Christ on the cross. And so that was Moses lived about 1,500 years before Christ. Here's what's neat: David, King David, lived about a thousand years. Now I'm rounding it off because David lived about 970. 978 uh, uh, B.C. But I'm just rounding it just so you, you can have an idea. David lived a thousand years before Jesus. Remember what we did on Sunday morning when I told you all that we're looking at Christ on the cross and I said go read Psalm 22 written by King David a thousand years before Jesus was born. And then Psalm 22 tells you basically Jesus on the cross. And so David lived about a thousand years before Christ. And then we got another one. That's Daniel. Daniel lived between five and 600 Years before Christ, you could just—I'm just trying to get it where you can get in your mind two thousand, fifteen hundred, thousand, five hundred, 1,500, 1, so that you can put together how the Bible fits together. It is so fantastic when you see this, and uh, that—that's kind of a good timeline thinking about uh, where these people lived. Because I've asked sometimes, I'll say something, question like, "Who lived? Who was first, David or Moses?" And, and I, people say, "I—I I don't know." And you have to start saying, well, wait a minute, who was first, David or Moses? And then you go back and say, was David a king? Well, did they get the Mosaic Law before he became king? And so then you start fi- figuring out. But if you even put this in your brain, if I said, who's first, David or Moses? You say, well, Moses, 1,500 years before Christ, David, 1,000 years before Christ. So Moses came before David. And that's a good way to look at it. Okay, questions, comments, anything? Okay, now we got uh, a couple more really good things. So let's think about this. We've seen the Bible and you say one, one book, 66 books, Old Testament, New Testament, five different sections, seven different dispensations, Jews, Gentiles. So we're dividing it all up and then we can say, you know, 4,000 years, 2,000 years, 1,500 years, 1,000 years, 500 years. Now let's talk about people. I'm going to give you, if you notice on the page, there are 20, 20 numbers. We're going to put 20 names in there. And there's, these are 20 names I picked up. But, but the bottom line is, if you can think and know these 20 names, you can go straight through the Bible. You can know the Bible. So we're going to do it together. And most of these names, you know. So this is not anything new. So let's start. What do you think is going to be the first name? Adam and Eve, there they are, they there's Adam and Eve, so here they are, God puts them in the garden, says be, you know, be fruitful and multiply, and all that, so there they are, so there's Adam and Eve, and then of course, they have Cain and Abel, and then they have Seth, and then, and then what's, who's the next big person to come along that you think about? Noah, that's exactly right because Adam and Eve and the world became evil and Noah was married and had three sons and they were married and the eight people, they built the ark. It took about 120 years. The ark was like 450 feet long and, and you know, 45, uh, 45, you know, like four or five stories tall and 75 feet wide and, I mean, just huge. And, uh, and they got on there and, uh, by the way, how, how long were they on the ark? How much? A little over a year. Everybody wants to say 40 days, but it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. The water reached its height way up there. They were on their Jewish days, uh, 370 days, which is for a Jew it'd be one year and 10 days. They were on the ark for 370 days. Wow, think about that. And so there's Noah, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so after they got off the ark, who would be next? Hmm. Okay, exactly, yeah. So God, then out of all these people in the world, remember we're in the age of the Gentiles, suddenly God picks a man, his name is Abram, which means big daddy. It means big daddy. And uh, and he had no kids. And so everybody said, hey big daddy, and how many kids you got big daddy? I don't have any kids. You're not really that big a daddy if you only want to be. But he lived in the earth of the Chaldees where they worshiped the moon god, and God chose him, and he believed and he left, and Abraham left, and uh, left, and went to the, what we'd call the Promised Land. And, it, and God gave him his wife Sarah, and they came. And of course, when you think about Abram, he, he they crossed over the Tigris-Euphrates River, and the word that means one who crosses over is Hebrew. So that's why they called them Hebrews. Because they crossed over the Tigris-Euphrates River. They're also called Israelites because they're named after Israel, which is uh, Jacob's other name. And then they're also called Jews because that ties back to the tribe of Judah. So sometimes they're called Jews, sometimes they're called Israelites, and sometimes they're called Hebrews. And that's all their different names. So after Abraham, who, who came after Abraham? Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac's the quiet man. But Isaac is so amazing. When we did our study on the patriarchs, and I love that study. It's one of my most fun studies I got to do. But when you looked at Isaac, Isaac is quiet. And yet Isaac believes God enough that he's going to let his daddy put him up on the an altar and kill him. Because he believes that his daddy believes that God, if he, when he kills him, he's going to raise him from the dead. And Isaac must have believed it too because he said, okay, I'll just lay here. And, and of course, God stopped it. But that was pretty neat. Abraham to Isaac. Isaac to who? Jacob, man, Jacob. We, Jacob. Uh, other name is 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 Israel, and Jacob is a scoundrel, but he is a good scoundrel, and he is uh, he's an amazing guy, and he has twelve, you know, twelve children. Uh, the and uh, they're all they're all famous. They all got different things dealing, but one stands out because as you read through the book of Genesis, one follows, and you get to know more. Who would be the one, the son of Jacob that you get to know more about? Jo- it is. It's Joseph because Joseph is the one that uh, goes down to Egypt as a slave and of uh, Potiphar and gets put into prison and comes out, and becomes number two in the kingdom, and then brings the Jewish people down. Think about this. It, why did God allow Joseph to be sold into slavery in Egypt to save the family? Ex- to save the Jewish people. To save the. To, if he didn't go, go down to Egypt, there wouldn't be a Messiah. Well, mean Jews left. They'd all died. But he goes down there and raises up to number two and brings the family in to live in Egypt during the famine, and they save all their lives. They go in with 75 people, and they come out with 2 million. 400 years later. So it's pretty amazing. So Abraham to Isaac to Jacob to Joseph. Okay, so Joseph dies, and there arose a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph, and he put him into slavery. So who would be the next famous person? Moses, that's exactly right. Moses, of course, was born, and they were killing boy babies at that time. His mom and daddy hid him for three months, and they couldn't hide him any longer. Put him in a little basket, put him out in the Nile River. The the Pharaoh's daughter saw this basket, picked it up, opened it up. He cried. She went, oh, what a sweet little baby. I'm going to take care of this baby. And the real mother is standing there watching, and the real sister, Miriam, goes over and says, would you like... uh, this woman, to nurse this baby. And so Moses' mother actually got to nurse him, and he was raised by Pharaoh's family. And so there's Moses, and of course Moses, the uh, for, first 40 years, he was in Egypt and trained. The next 40 years, he's on the backside of the desert. and the final 40 years, he brings the nation of Israel out of Egypt. After, after he comes out, and they come out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, they get the law, they go, they wander around for 40 years, and then what happens? Who's next? Joshua. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua, what does he do? He leads them into what? In the promised land. That's Joshua. So see, look at the flow. You already know the Bible. And we just now, you know, got a little further. We just now got out of the uh, the, the Pentateuch and we see Joshua going and taking the, the land, and then there's the time of the judges. And who was the last judge? Who? How did you know that? Samuel, exactly. exactly. A lot of people think it's Samson because he is the last judge in the book of Judges. But Samuel was the last judge of Israel. And he was such a great man. I mean, such a great man. He stood up at the end of his time. All the people are wanting a king. And he said, have I ever, have I ever taken anybody's anything? Have I ever judged wrong? Have I ever mistreated anybody? And everybody said, you've always been the greatest judge. What a great guy. Samuel was... Uh, the judge, and and then uh, what? Who came after Samuel? Saul. Saul, the kings. So that's right. And so the first king of Israel is Saul. And of course, Saul. When you think of Saul, uh, he, he was a head taller than everybody else. And I mean, he was just so big and so so, and everybody thought he was so great. And when they would see him, they'd go, "Wow, that, that guy's something." And so they anointed him as the, and, and God let him do it. They anointed him as the first king of Israel. And then, and then he he went crazy. He uh, he got paranoid, and he thought David was trying to take the kingdom from him. And he did everything wrong you could do, and he ended up killing himself. And after Saul came, who? Who? David. David. Oh, David, a man after God's own heart. Probably. I mean, when you start thinking about people in the Bible, I, I love Paul, and I love David, and uh, I mean, I, I love Moses. And you start looking at them, and you go, "These people—they're real. I mean, they're so real." One day we'll get to talk to David. Can you imagine talking to David? Can you imagine talking to Moses, or or or, or Abraham, or Paul, or Peter? I mean. Or John? You want to say, John, did John really want to bring down fire on those people? You know? <laughs> and John said, well, I changed. Remember, later I was known as the apostle of love. Yeah, 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 you were. You were. So, I mean, think about it. So here's David. And David is a man after God's own heart. And David is a great king. And David did so many good things. And David had a heart that he wanted to build a temple for God. And God said, no, no, you can't build it, but your son will build it. Who is next? Solomon. When you think of Solomon, Solomon was the probably the, the the most brilliant almost the most brilliant person who ever lived. he was the wisest person who ever lived he's almost the, probably the richest person who ever lived. He knew more about anything. he knew everything about birds, plants, everything and he said he spared nothing he He fulfilled every pleasure he ever wanted, and that 's why vanity, vanity, anything under the sun and and Solomon was the wisest man, but God told the king. When you become king, do not multiply wives, do not multiply horses, and do not multiply gold. He had so much gold, silver didn't even count. He had so many horses, you couldn't even count them. And he had a thousand women. He violated the scripture. In every one of those places, he brought in foreign women with false gods. And toward the end of his life, he turned away from God and worshipped false gods. You can, can you believe that? That King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, worshipped false gods? Now, that didn't mean he wasn't a believer. That just means he messed up. Well after Solomon, what happened? Well we know the kingdom divided and so I just throw a couple of people in here just to help us go with the flow. And one is Elijah because when the nation turned bad, Elijah was the one that confronted the northern kingdom. And so just think about him. And then there was another prophet. Who would you say is a prophet that just stands out in your mind? Isaiah. Isaiah. Exactly. That's who it is. So I just put those two in there to give you the flow. And then, then there was like the captivities and everything. Who was sort of famous who wrote in captivity that was a godly man who stood for everything? Who would you think? Daniel. That's right. That's who I put as next. And when you think of Daniel, uh, Daniel was, was the man. And uh, Daniel wrote and said that God's going to give us 490 years and at the 483 year mark the Messiah will die. After the Messiah dies, he didn't know about us it was a mystery. He said after the Messiah dies, there'll be seven more years and then it'll be over. And that's Daniel. If you'd have said to Daniel, Daniel what about the church? He'd go I don't know what you're talking about. Church is a mystery. By the way, I want you to understand that when you read the Old Testament, we're not there. We're never mentioned. If you've seen some kind of something in the Old Testament, it's either the first coming of Christ or the second coming of Christ. It is never the rapture. It's never mentioned. Church is never mentioned. So don't get confused. We're never mentioned in the Old Testament. The first time church is even mentioned is when Jesus says, Upon this rock I will build my church. That's the first time it's ever mentioned. And he, you could see the guys go, What are they talking about? Anybody know what he's talking about? No, we didn't. Okay, after Daniel, um, they have a time. Question? Yeah. When it says church upon this rock, I, I, just struck my, I had a question. What word did they use? What do you mean? What Greek word do they use for church? Well, the Greek word is, is ekklesia, which means called out ones. Uh, ek, kaleo, Puts it together, ecclesia, which means kaleo means call, ek means out of. So the churches are called out ones, and that is it. Really means assembly. You could, uh, in the book of Acts, when they have this big riot, and it says there was this assembly of people. It uses the word ecclesia, uh, but but it. When we say the church, we mean the called out body, the believers who called out from the fallen world and placed in Christ. That's the word for church. So, huh, uh, ecclesia, yeah. Okay, um, so after Daniel, there was this time period called the 400 silent years. There wasn't any new revelation given. Uh, if you remember, in, in one of the lessons, I put in between the testaments what happened in between the testaments. I'm sure y'all have read every word of it and it's just been enjoyable, but it's all in there, right? And so, but then something happens. Breaking the silence after these 400 years is who? John the Baptist, there he is. John the baptizing one. And he comes announcing the Messiah. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the world and make the way for the Messiah. And that's what he does. And then, of course, who is he pointing to? Jesus. Jesus. There he is. This is what the whole Bible's been pointing to, but he's just he's number 17 on the big list. And this is Jesus. And so then Jesus goes and chooses people and then he dies. And who takes leadership after he dies? Peter, okay. And then who after Peter? Paul. And then who's the last one who wrote the last book who wrote everything? John. There it is. There's the 20 people. That's the flow of the Bible. If you know those 20 people, if you memorize and put, and most of them you know because you can just put them in order, if you do that, you have a flow of the Bible right there. Does that make sense? pretty neat, huh? Pretty neat. Okay, so we're almost through, we're running out of time, so we've got some more things to do. So we've looked at the way to divide the Bible. One big book, 66 books, two aspects, five aspects, seven aspects, Jews and Gentiles, and then we've looked at it with a whole bunch of time periods, and then we've looked at it a whole bunch of names. So all these different ways of ways you can divide the Bible. And then this last one is this, the central person in the Bible, the central person in the Bible is the Messiah. Okay? And the Old Testament looks what? Looks forward to the coming Messiah. The New Testament does what? Looks back to the Messiah who came. And when we think about the Messiah, in the Old Testament, he is called the seed of woman. Also called the seed of Abraham. And, and by the way, and i was look at this. this, and he's also called the son of David. So... There we are. That's the flow. Now, I've got one other thing. It You should be to, there should be a little chart looking thing that looks a little bit like that. Right? Have you all seen that? So let's put it together. You want to? Together, we're going to go through and fill out this chart. So you can see it. And if you notice, and you notice way over here is divine history. And it goes, look, age of the Gentile, age of the Jew, a of, age of the church, tribulation, And the kingdom on. So that's the five big sections right there that we talked about. And so this is how it fits. So let's do it. Y'all tell me who these people are, okay? So here we go. Let's start there. Who is under that tree? Eve. Eve and who? Adam and Eve, they're eating that fruit. And he should be saying, you get away from that tree. But he doesn't. He stands right beside her, and she eats it, and she gives it to him, and he eats it. And then they had two sons. One brought fruit, and one brought an animal. Who is that? Cain and Abel. There they are. And then after Cain killed Abel, they had another son. What was his name? Seth. There it is. So you got it. Okay, now, after Adam and Eve and all that, then we see this person, and he's walking. And he's walking, and he disappears. Who could that be? Enoch. Yeah, it is Enoch. That's him. He ain't walked with God. And he wasn't. Out. Then it gets to this time, and so God decides, I'm going to get rid of the world, and so they're going to build an ark. And who is this guy? Noah. Noah. There he is. There's Noah, and he had three sons. What are their names? The first one is what? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. There it is. All right. Okay, I'll give you time to write it down because sometimes I don't know how to spell all these names and things. Sometimes it goes so fast. So, does this make sense? So we're doing pretty good, aren't we? We're getting it. Okay, everybody got it down. So Adam and Eve, Cain and <coughs> Enoch, and then Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And she, the Hamites went south into what was more like Africa. And Japheth went uh to basically to the west and to the north, which is basically Europe. And Shem stayed in that area and went over toward the east. And that's where the people groups came from. And most Jewish people could come from Shem. Uh, The European people come from Japheth. So that's it. All right, you ready for the next one? Okay, here we are. And this is going to be a little bit north. Can you see it? Who is the, I've got that this guy, he's the first Jew. Who is that? Abraham, there he is. And Abraham is sacrificing somebody. Who is he sacrificing? Isaac. Isaac. There's Isaac. Okay, you got it? Okay, then Isaac had these two sons, and one of them cooked soup, soup, and the other one said, I'll sell my birthright for the soup. Who are these two boys? Who are they? Jacob and Esau. And And there they are. And you know what Esau, I, I, I mean, I think Esau was a really good guy. I think people would like him, but it says that he was a godless man. He sold his birthright for for a piece of stew. I mean, for a little bowl of stew. And then Jacob's name was later renamed what? Israel. Okay, now, we're going to look at the 12 tribes of Israel. What do you think the first one that starts with an R is? Reuben. I'm going to put it up there. And then who's next? Simeon. You can write that in. And then there is Levi. And then the fourth one is kind of the famous one. Who is that? Yeah. Judah, because Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. And then there's a guy that starts with a D, Dan. And then the next one is one that, I, you know, I, most people don't really think about it, but it's, what's his name? Do you know It's Naphtali, yeah. And then after Naphtali, there's, a, uh, there's Gad. And then who's the next one? Asher. And then Ishakar, kind of a longer name. And then the next one, oh, I, I went too fast. What's, who's the next one? Zebulun, some, some people say Zebulun, but I say Zebulun. And then you got this one, of course, is going to be Joseph, but he had two sons because theirs was divided. Who is that? That's Joseph and who? Ephraim and Manasseh. And they both had huge land areas. And that came, because see, Joseph got the double portion. One son got the double portion, that's Joseph. One son got the priesthood, that's Levi. And one son got the, basically the, the, the rulership, and that's Judah. Okay, oldest son's supposed to got all three of those. The oldest son was Reuben. He didn't get any of it. Okay, you'll have to figure that out. Okay, so then, and who's the last one? Benjamin. Benjamin. What was Benjamin's original name? Benemi. What did it mean? Son of, son of my sorrow. And because his mama was dying when she was born, and she named him son of sorrow. But uh, Jacob came in and said, no, 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 we're going to call him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So, all right, all right. Now we got those guys. Who's next up here with these big old things? That's Moses. By the way, I want to throw this out because we got time. When you picture Moses coming down off of the mountain with the law, the tablets of stone. I mean, do you picture uh, Charles and Heston and two big old things coming down? What do you picture? Do you know that most believe that they were round? And that you could hold them. And it actually says that he had them both in one hand coming down. I think they were like, they were, they were round and they were written around on, on the sides. That's what I think. But what do I know? Okay, so anyway, so there's Moses. And after Moses, who? So you get Moses and you get the judges. And the last judge was Samson. And that's him knocking down the thing. And then you get the kings. And who was the first king? Saul. Who's second king? David, who's the third king? Solomon. And then this is where you got to get it now. This is a little bit harder. When they divided, when Solomon died, the nation was divided and they became a northern, uh, which was 10 tribes, and Judah, uh, Israel was the northern, and Judah was the southern with two tribes. And the king of the northern empire was a guy named Jeroboam J E R O B O E M. And the king, which was Solomon's son, was the southern empire, was named Rehoboam. R-E-H-O-B-O-E-M. So they kind of mix you up because there's Jeroboam and Rehoboam. And uh, so one was the king of the north king. Now, what happened to the northern empire? Did they ever have a believing king? No. The southern empire had believing kings. So the northern empire was taken over by the Assyrians. Anybody know the year? 722 B.C. And then the, the Babylonians came after after the Assyrians captured the Northern Empire. The Babylonians came in and captured the Southern Empire. And Anybody know the year? 605 B.C. So now we got the flow. All right, now if you look at the chart, there's we're going to have, uh, and we just put prophets there, but we didn't talk about, and then we got the 400 silent years. And then here comes Jesus, and let me do it this way. I think, and so here's Jesus, and he dies on the cross, he goes three days and three nights, walks on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, ascends into heaven. Ten days after that, which would means it would be 50 days from his resurrection, the Holy Spirit comes, and what is that day called? The day of what? Pentecost, that's it. Pentecost, And there is the Feast of Pentecost. And that begins the age, basically, of the church. There we are and all of this. And then the rapture. And then there's going to be the tribulation. And, and right in the middle of the tribulation, who comes and puts up an idol in the temple? There it is, the Antichrist. And so he comes. The tribulation is called Jacob's troubles, Daniel nine twenty four through 27. After that, there'll be the thousand-year reign of Christ, the great white throne judgment, and eternity future. So you got it, don't you? That's the flow of the history that way. So let me give you uh, some verses. Uh, do you think you're going to be ready for this one? <laughs> I, actually, I just want you to know this one, if you can. It's John three fourteen through eighteen. is one of the great verses in the Bible. When I learned this verse, this is how I learned it. I was coaching at Mississippi State, and we had dressing rooms in one place, and we had to walk about a mile to get to the practice fields. And Coach Tyler, who's the head coach, and I would walk every day to practice. And we together memorized John three fourteen through 18 on the way to practice every day. You can do it. It's not that hard. So memorize that one. Also, uh, there's First Peter three eighteen: For Christ died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God, having put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So that's a really good one as well.